You're listening to audio from First Christian Church. To find out more about us or to donate to our ministries, visit firstabq.org. I'm glad you're on your feet for this reading from Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to start in verse 7, and then I'm going to drop down to verse 11. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it is said, when he ascended on high, he made captivity itself a captive. He gave gifts to his people. Verse 11. The gifts that he gave were that some would be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until all of us comes to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children, tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. But, speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body is joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped. As each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I am thrilled to get to speak to the finest group of servants in Albuquerque. No, no, I mean that. I mean, not just here in this room, but we know as we get to speak to people online that we're talking about the kingdom of God. So it transcends our city limits. And I think you are underrated. I think you're overlooked. I don't think you realize how good you are. And I know at this point you're kind of looking around. What? What? Because it's easy when you show up at church to feel like an imposter. Like, I don't know that I really belong. I mean, I'm no Einstein, I'm not Bill Gates, I'm not all that, I'm not Walt Disney, I'm not Jane Cook Wright, who invented chemotherapy, no Harriet Tubman, I'm not Bill Russell, the basketball player, or Michael Jordan. We look around and we think, ah, I'm just not all of those folks. Well, today... I want to be talking to you, and I'm really excited by the things that I've got to share with you today from this passage, a passage that we spent time with last week because I wanted us to get clear in mind what the goal is of what we're doing, what we're after. And Ephesians sets out what that goal is of becoming like Christ, reaching that standard of maturity of Jesus Christ. That means you and me, all of us. Those of us that feel like pretenders and those of us that think we've got it all together. That is something that we're praying for for our babies. It's something that we're praying for for our high school students. And we're praying for one another that we will look more and more like Jesus Christ. That's what Paul said over and over again. 1 Corinthians 11. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Have the mindset of Christ. Philippians 2 verse 5. Or even that oldest living apostle, the Apostle John, 
who said in 1 John 2, 6, walk as Jesus walked. And Jesus himself, he said in Matthew 10 that when a disciple is trained, he will look like his teacher. This is what we want. We want to look like Jesus Christ. And that might seem crazy, but it gets at the core of ministry for me. It gets at the core of what we're all about here in this place. And it's what we're all focused in on. And I guess what I'm pleased about with this text that we'll look at today is that if it impacts all of our relationships. A lot of times when you look at gifts, uh, it might feel like it doesn't fit for you. So here's our little deal, okay? So today, as you go through this sermon, you're probably going to get to point and think, oh yeah, this doesn't fit with me at all. Uh, it's not hitting me at all. Well, bear with me. Give me one more pass at the very end, okay? One more pass to try to make this fit with you, all right? And I have to warn you, this is kind of more of a teaching sermon. So if you're someone who likes the, the bold print in your textbooks, or like things kind of outlined, then it'll click for you, because this is what we're, we're going to do. I'm going to give you five grace gifts. I'm going to talk with you about two functions of those gifts. And then I'm going to talk about two results of those gifts, all of it fitting together into that one goal of becoming like Christ. That's where we're headed. Are you ready? That's the outline. Well, whenever we look at this passage, we're looking at apes. No, not monkeys, not chimpanzee, but apes, A-P-E-S. The gifts that he lays out are apostles, prophets, evangelists, and two that are kind of put together, shepherd teacher, or apes. And these are women and men who've been given these gifts. And I want us to focus in on them very carefully. So first bold font type, are we ready? Is apostles. And we know about the apostles. Usually when we think about the apostles, we think about a number. And what's that number? Twelve. Yeah, 12. Is that all the apostles that we had? No, it's not. You might quickly say, well, we had the guy that replaced Judas, Matthias, that the church laid out. Yeah, that's right. And even Paul, who calls himself the adopted apostle. Yes. There was a point where Jesus sent out 70 apostles. So there's more than just the 12. It's a word that literally means sent one. In fact, if you look deeply into Romans, you'll see that there's a female apostle, at least one that we get the name of, of Junia, in Romans chapter 16, verse 7, where this apostle is mentioned as one among the apostles. So, what are they? Well, these are messengers, delegates, sent out with the authority and the ability to represent the sender, which is Jesus Christ. Sent on these message, sent on this message, message with a mission. Blah, 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 blah. Quick rewind. Sent on this mission with a message. Man, I don't know, maybe Elmer Fudden in my way on through. That'll, that'll help us love the bold print. All right, apostles, I better set them aside. We'll move on to prophets. Now, whenever we think about prophets, we, we tend to think more predictive, future-telling. And that's not the main role of a prophet. Now, I know that gets used a lot in contemporary usage, but a prophet is not just about predicting the future. They are spokespeople for God. There's a message through them that God speaks. 
And again, these are women and men. It's only a very, very small percentage of prophecy that only deals with the future. The majority of it is a message spoken through a person that has contemporary significance. And so, again, I'll focus on some women here. We have Huldah in the Old Testament, Deborah, just to name a few. Or you can go to a New Testament prophet like Anna, who received Jesus into the temple and knew who he was. These are people through whom God speaks. And so the, the, the focus is not on their gender, but on their function, what they do of speaking through that person on behalf of God. Apostles, prophets, and evangelists. Evangelists are those that carry that good news message usually into places that haven't heard it before, or to someone that hasn't listened to that message, maybe they're hearing it for the very first time. And so with evangelists, you get a sense of the three that we've already talked about has a, a local sense, but also something beyond the church, where apostle is sent beyond. A prophet might have a word that's beyond just a local church. Same thing with an evangelist. They're sent to proclaim and I think immediately about that very first evangelist, that resurrection morning. Do, do you know who they were? The first people to the tomb were women, Mary and Mary and some other probably Marys. And they see Jesus, and what does Jesus tell them to do? Go and announce to the apostles. Tell them the good news about the resurrection of Jesus. That message was entrusted to women to be the first ones to proclaim the good news to the apostles, none other than the apostles. All right, well, the last one of our five gifts, two I put together, shepherd, teacher. Now, it's two separate roles for sure, but in the Greek, they can almost be hyphenated because they're, they're tied together. A shepherd is something of an overseer, a guide, a protector, a caretaker. And a teacher, one that instructs or does all the bold font, right? Kind of what I'm doing today. In fact, when you put the two together, a shepherd teacher, one who guides and also one who instructs, it sounds a lot to us on our ears, kind of like a senior minister. Well, that may be true, but a senior minister is a part of the leaders. It's one among many. Significant roles, but having functions about overseeing or, or providing care and also providing instruction. So, you know, here we have a body of elders, a group of elders, and the senior minister is accountable to them, one among many. And so it's about the group and about that accountability. All right, well, if we've got these five now laid out, we could set them on the table kind of like cards. Try to figure out, you know, are these flashcards? Are these gifts that we could trade around? Or are these people? Because when I look at these gifts or I hear them, I think of, of people. And that's what Christ does. As he gives gifts to walk this life together, he does it where we don't have to walk alone and we don't travel this journey empty-handed. We have a group of people that we're traveling together with, and we're given gifts. In this case, the gifts of leaders to serve the church and to be among the people. They're given. Their function is to serve. 
And so if you look at what their functions are, they're being sent, they're proclaiming a word from God, they're teaching, they're caring for. But what else can we see in terms of function? We've got five. Is everybody doing good so far in this teaching sermon? We've got five out there. Now we've got to lay out the two functions that he shares. This is in verse 12. The two functions come out like this. To equip the saints for the work of service. Equipping. The function of these gifts, the function of these leaders, is to equip saints to do the serving. Now, the word equip actually is a medical word. It's a word for setting a bone straight, getting it in the proper alignment. And that's what leaders do. They organize, they get people in the right places, they ask the right questions, they set the stage so that good things can happen. You get that bone going in the pointed, going and pointed in the right direction, becoming like Christ, right? And in that equipping, if you think about First Christian, that, that is what we're about at every level. In our children's ministry, we are equipping these young children to become like Christ. In our teen group, we're equipping them to become disciples, followers of Jesus. With our 20-somethings, we want them, as they launch out into the world, to find their path forward to be equipped for the work of service, to set that bone in place. And so a minister is not an entertainer. A minister is not someone that just meets needs. A minister is not just there to please you. A minister is setting bones in proper alignment so that the body can do the work. All of us are doing the service together. We're doing the work. Okay, well that's function one. Equipping the saints, setting the bone right for the work of service. And, and the second one is to build the body up. And this also shows up in verse 12. But if you look close, it comes up in verse 16. To build the body up in love. Now, this metaphor takes us from bones and makes us put our hard hat on. It's a construction metaphor where building up or edifying is this idea of putting the blocks together arranging things so that the body can be built up in love. It's an architectural metaphor. And so this is good for a church that's focused on, on outreach to recognize that, yes, we do a lot of serving. We feed people. We provide beds. We do good things for the world. But all of that is focused in on being in Christ, building up the body in love and equipping the saints for the work of ministry. And there are times when we get, I don't know, misaligned, where our bone may not be straight, our walls may not be square like they need to be. And that misalignment comes whenever we forget what our purpose is. We spent all that time talking about last week, about becoming like Jesus Christ. And so everything that we do around at First Christian, we're focused in on that, becoming like Christ. When a group leader looks over what they're going to be doing with their group, a study or service, they are thinking about how is it that we can take one more step toward becoming like Christ? When we plan VBS, we're thinking about how is it that we can make these young ones and the volunteers look a bit more like Jesus in the process. That way our focus is clear on what we're doing and what we're about, that we want to become like Jesus. 
we're aligning it properly. In our everyday conversation, sometimes we get misaligned words. You probably don't, but I do. Proof in point, this sermon, right? Where our words don't connect as they should. Later in this same chapter, uh, Paul will talk about words that tear down instead of words that build up. Where sometimes our words are focused on anger and bitterness rather than love and building up the body of Christ. All right, we've got the functions. Equip the, work, equip the saints for the work of ministry and to build the body up in love. What about the results? What's, where is this headed? There are two things that it expresses where if we're doing these things, equipping one another to serve, building the body up in love, that will result the unity of faith and unity of the knowledge of the Son of God. Those things naturally happen when we're lined up. When we're focused in on Christ, it leads us to unity. Unity is not something that we have to create. It's something that we're given. It's something that we maintain. In fact, if we have to communicate to people something other than Christ that brings us together, then we're trying to manage that unity. We're trying to exclude people that should be brought together in the name of Christ. All right, so unity of faith happens, and knowledge of the Son of God happens. At First Christian, we know about this. This is our mission. In fact, our mission may be so stunningly simple, if this is your first time here, it might seem like we need more. What is our mission statement? Follow Jesus. That's it. And we invite you to do that. Our coming to know Christ, our knowledge of Christ, comes as we spend time with Christ. Every minute of every day. Every difficulty that we face. Our knowledge of Christ increases as we do the things that Jesus did. Our knowledge of Christ increases as we speak and share and say the very things that Jesus taught and said. Our coming to know Christ increases as we travel with Jesus into the unfamiliar parts even of our own lives, to the new things that we must face. We know about that at First Christian. All right, so we're at that point where you have your arms crossed and you think, this Brady just doesn't sound like me. I'm not one of those apes. And not just because I thought you were talking about monkeys. I don't see myself in these ways. I don't see myself as a leader. I'm not a leader of anything. Well, again, look at verse 7. Paul writes that each of us was given grace by Christ. Each of us. And those gifts were measured out to us. All of us have something to offer. Something that we can give that helps build up the body of Christ that helps equip people for the work of service, that helps people come towards knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now, sometimes with gifts, I don't know if you've heard of these different spiritual gifts inventories where you kind of find your own unique gift. And, and it can be one of those times when you just find out what your gifts are and then you think that it's nothing else. So it's like you go to the preacher and you say, well, I'm going to start the tie-dye shirt-wearing prayer group snow cone-eating that's, that's my gift. That's what I have to offer. Tie-dye shirts, snow cone eating prayer group. 
Okay, well, that may be a good idea, but how is it leading people to be in the image of Jesus Christ? How does it meet that function? Because it's not about finding an individual unique gift. It's about the holes that are out there in our church that are needed to be filled to build up the body. Where you bring all that you are to God as an offering and you serve the body. You know, I think maybe the best way to do this is for me to tell you a little bit more about this crazy book and then tell you a story that happened to me from a couple of weeks ago to kind of take this a little bit further. I mentioned a book uh, that's a little novel called The Afterword by Mike Bryant, who's an agnostic. Maybe God exists, maybe not. That's what he believes. And it's an afterword to a book that doesn't exist called The Deity Next Door. And he, and he says some amazing things that I want you to hear, and I've got two quotes to share with you. This first one comes from page 115. He writes, The religion that invested everything in one person, monotheism personified, so one God personified, is either a stroke of the shrewdest human genius or God's final truth. Seriously? An agnostic wrote that. The shrewdest human genius or God's final truth. I'm going to opt for option B, God's final truth. Second quote. The problem here is that just believing that Jesus rose from the dead isn't enough. It's not nearly enough because people can and do believe anything. If mere belief is the only criterion, any competing faith is a true one. Now for that one, I feel a little bit of conviction. Yes, I think he's on to something, that the major problem is just believing that something is true. I think we need the next step of knowing that it's true and being willing to act upon it. That we're not just believing that Jesus is the Christ, we are becoming like Christ. It's not just something where we have churches that are filled full of people who are believers who assent to certain things that are cognitively true. We're filled with people that are becoming like Jesus Christ, taking that next step to enact things. All right, my story. So one of the things that, that I do uh, two birds with one stone kind of thing, is I'll bike to work. So I'll bike to the church. And uh, I'll, I'll bike through Bear Canyon and make my way here to First Christian. Well, just two weeks ago, I was coming through Bear Canyon and was getting to the top of the dam, and I saw two dog owners coming together, both with big dogs. One dog owner with two dogs, one with one. And they're coming from opposite directions. And so I as a biker, I'm always watching pedestrians and especially dogs. And sure enough, I mean, you know what's going to happen when these two pass. The dogs are just going at one another. I mean, they are, I pause and I'm about, you know, 40 feet away, just going to let all this take place. And they are just going off. And the guy with two dogs has leashes. He pulls them back. And the guy with one dog is kind of trying to get his dog. He finally pulls him apart. And they're standing there, and the owners do what owners do, trying to play it off like, oh, you know, everything's great. Things are calm. And the dogs are still nose-pointed at one another, 
what feels like at eye level for me, spines like arrows ready to attack. And the dog owner on, with the one dog said, it's okay, you can come on by. I was like, well, do you have your dog on a leash? He said, yeah, I've got a leash. I said, no, do you have your dog on a leash? It's like, oh no, yeah. And then he spends two minutes because I said, I'm going to wait right here. I'm not going to bike in between the two of you. So why tell that story? It's not about dog owners that don't take care of their dogs. That's not it. It's the, what he said, where he had the leash, but he didn't use it. I mean, it, it might have been wrapped in cellophane or still had a rubber band around it. I think that's what Christianity is like, where we just believe. We just hold it's true. Yeah, we know what this does. It's in our hands. But we're not doing anything with it. What happens in this text is the process of becoming like Jesus, of taking that next step that what we believe gets trickled down into our lives, where we're willing with our very lives to build the body up to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to come to know Jesus, to find that unity of faith. And that's why I'm so glad that you're here. And again, if this is your first time, let me just tell you, you found a great place to be because there are a lot of people who don't have titles, they don't draw a lot of attention to themselves who are doing some amazing things. I think about people like Nancy Noonan. Amen. Nancy is always inviting her friends She's always serving people, bringing people to be around God, not necessarily to be around Nancy. And her friends come. Kay and Diane, they're around. Or I think about someone that you may not even know at all, Chong. She's one of our guests. She's not a member, but she is inviting her friends to be here in this place. I think about Sally, who greets all of us who makes this place feel like home, and you're like, have I been here before? I sure feel like I know her. I sure feel connected to her in this place. I, I know we're an amazing group of people whenever I hear stories secondhand about the Dostal's home group, who, who doesn't just pray about the fires and for rain to come, but says, you know, we need to feed those firefighters. And so they go as a home group, and they feed the firefighters multiple times. This is the kind of place you're in. A place where groups through the pandemic said, you know, these medical professionals are getting beaten up. What can we do to serve them? What could we take them? They won't even know who we are, but how could we provide some kind of gift card or some kind of encouragement to them when they're probably at their lowest level? That's what kind of a place First Christian is. A place 119 years ago that was begun by women. Women coming together. A board of women to bring this church into existence, a place where women have served as worship ministers, as education ministers, as associate ministers, a place where women are not so concerned about title, but they are functioning in a way that helps all of us see what it's like to be like Christ. You know all those people that I mentioned at the front where you may not feel like Einstein, or Walt Disney, right? They didn't make it through school. Bill Russell, 
Michael Jordan, cut from their high school basketball teams. What happens to us in any given moment doesn't define who we are. God has gifts for each one of us. He's measured them out through Christ. And we press on through, we press forward through those times because we have someone that's much bigger than us who's got our back, who's caring for us, and at times carrying us. And that's why we make this journey together as a group of people, the body of Christ, not empty-handed, but given gifts that, that we offer freely, insights and value, where the whole group is benefited and blessed because we're being built up in love. So I don't know how you'll serve, I don't know what you'll do, but I invite you to be thinking about it. Is there someone that you need to be in a deeper relationship with because they can help you become more like Christ? Are there some practices, some things that you could do that would help you become like Christ? Are there even some things in your life that maybe you could stop doing because they're not helping you become more like Christ? How is it? that we can surrender ourselves to this crazy goal of becoming like Christ, that we can't call crazy because it's what God intends for all of us. Let's offer this in prayer to God. God, we thank you that you are not far away from us, that even though we run and express our honest opinion to you, you keep listening and are present right there with us. Father, I pray that you be with each person here today, that you, you would make us more aware of the ways that you've gifted us, and more aware that we can't do it alone, that we do things together, that we are a body, a very different body, but a body that together represents that body of Christ. And we pray this through Jesus, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen.